0: Hey everybody, you are listening to The Church Theology Podcast, a podcast on the church, for the church. My name is Kirk Miller, and today we have with us a special guest, Greg Strand. Welcome to the podcast, Greg.
1: Thank you, great to be here with you.
0: And if you're not familiar with uh, Greg Strand, uh, he is the EFCA's Executive Director of Theology and Credentialing, and he serves on the board of Ministerial Standing, as well as uh, what is called the Spiritual Heritage Committee. For the EFCA. He also serves as an adjunct professor in pastoral theology at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And prior to these roles, he served as a pastor in uh, various local church settings. And currently, he is a member at Northfield Evangelical Free Church in Northfield, Minnesota. Uh, and if you remember, uh, some time ago, I don't remember exactly when, maybe around six months ago, um, if you listen to this podcast, we did an episode. Uh, on the history of the EFCA. So our church, Crossway Milwaukee, recently joined the EFCA this past spring. And so we kind of are putting together a pair of episodes on the history of the EFCA. And today we're going to be tackling the theology of the EFCA, looking specifically at the EFCA's statement of faith, EFCA standing for Evangelical Free Church of America. Um, and you can find this articulation in the what is called the Statement of Faith. It was originally adopted in 2008, and then there was a, uh, a revision in 2019 that was accepted. And then as well, um, there is a book, the EFC has a series of books that kind of go through um, its theology and history and such, and, and one of those is called Evangelical Convictions, and there's a second edition that uh, matches up with the adopted, the revised Statement of Faith, which is the one that I have. And this book, Evangelical Convictions, the subtitle is A Theological Exposition of the Statement of Faith of the Evangelical Free Church of America. So it is a book that is, let's see here, maybe like 250 or so pages that walks through the Statement of Faith. And I I really, really enjoyed this book. I'm not just saying that uh, just to be nice, like I really, I was impressed with for the how short this book is, for a book that goes through covers all the branches of doctrine in just merely 250 plus pages to be able to like in such a condensed way pack in so much good material. Like this is a phenomenal book. If you're just if you're just a Christian looking to try to understand theology better, um even if you're not EFCA, like this is just a really good book. So I definitely commend this book. Uh you can find it online. Um, but I'm really hey, glad may, to may have, add,
1: yeah, go for thing. it. Actually, two things, uh, two things that we were intentional uh, about uh, in writing the book. Uh, one was that often when when you write uh, uh, books like this, uh, you will make references to the, the Bible, but you won't actually in- include the, the actual biblical statement. And we mm. were intentional to actually include the biblical statement so that we would s- spare people having to look them up. Um, yeah. and so that's one of the uniquenesses the other thing I think you would find Kirk um is that uh, it not only is a theological exposition of the Bible but it also uh, it, in footnotes we were pretty intentional about engaging with historical theology as well and and I think that that captures so you know it, it's not in the flow of the text but it is an important footnote that 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 further delineates um, our connection historically to the church uh, uh, global, uh, universal uh, and and chronological uh, as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, I love footnotes. They're uh, they're one of my love languages, and I got several footnotes in here as I scanned through. Several of them highlighted. So yeah, definitely read the footnotes too if you pick up a copy. But we're going to be using this book then and and the statement of faith for the EFCA kind of as our guide, what, what the subject matter for our discussion. But before we even get into the statement of faith, it's worth kind of asking, you know, what is the EFCA and and what are its distinctives? What should we expect to find, in other words, included or maybe intentionally excluded or at least not included in this statement of faith for the EFCA?
1: Well, uh, e- evangel, uh, evangelical, it's the gospel. And so uh, if if you want to ask what with the, who or what is the evangelical Free Church of America, it would be uh, two things in particular, though it's more than that. But in particular, it's biblical authority. Biblical authority, that is the, the 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 inspiration, the inerrancy, the authority, the sufficiency of the scriptures, and and the, the preeminency of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um and uh those two things I think would be reflective of the free church today, and it's also reflective then of our history. Um and so I mean there's there's a whole lot more that we will get into, I'm sure, Kirk, but those those would be a couple of things. That, that, that I would say are reflective of the free church. The other thing I would say historically is that we were birthed uh, in uh, more of a revivalist uh, 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 context uh, from the uh, Nordic countries um, and the immigrants that came here uh, in the 19th century um, were committed to the uh, authority of the scriptures, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then the reality, the significance of what it means to be born again uh, and uh, the new birth that Jesus talks about in John three, th- those would be some, some I think uh, emphases of the of the Evangelical Free Church of America.
0: And in comparison, if you were to look at other denominational statements of faith, um, like if you were to go to the PCA, they're going to use, I believe, the Westminster Confession, which is really detailed and long comparatively. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or even the Southern Baptist, um, the the Baptist Faith and Message two thousand. It's not as long as the Westminster, but it's certainly longer than mm-hmm. what is in the efca uh, a lot of denominations will have will include a lot more uh, mention of of specific doctrinal positions in their statement of faith is that what we find in the efca or how might the efcas be different
1: yeah so we are uh you know some would some would refer to the efca in comparison to what you've just pointed out kirk some would refer to the efca as minimalist i would prefer to refer to it and i do as an essentialist that is those 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 things that are essential and often it's not it's not it's not bad, it's not a bad on them, but often denominations will have a more thorough or expanded statement of faith or confession of faith, highlighting or emphasize emphasizing some of those uniquenesses to that particular denomination differently from another denomination. Uh, one of the things that I would say makes the EFCA unique is that in some respects we're not so unique. That, that is to say, there are they're, they're it's not that we don't have positions it's not that we don't have uh, views and perspectives um but but on some of those issues we're willing to live life together we're willing to to um you know the, the unity that that the Lord Jesus creates Ephesians 2 14 to 16 he makes through the cross of Jesus Christ he makes one new humanity we don't create that he does and the holy spirit applying his work but then we Ephesians 4 we, we work eagerly to re- maintain that unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This is a display of the oneness for which Jesus prays. And so in some, in some ways, uh, what makes the EFCA unique, not better, but somewhat different, is that, is that we, we, don't, we don't become so overly granular on some of those things that are reflective of many other denominations. And, and again, please hear me. I'm not saying that that makes us better or worse or them better or worse, but just, just that's sort of the uniqueness of the EFCA as a denomination.
0: Yeah. And so, you and, and like you said, um, it's, it's maybe not as helpful to call it a minimalist statement, but there is a sense in which it's articulating the core yeah. of evangelical beliefs, sort yep. of the essential evangelical yep. beliefs. Um, there are things that are intentionally not included. So for instance, um, although the EFCA there's, I think based on the last, uh, there's a survey that's done every five years. I think based on the last survey, the EFCA is pretty overwhelmingly credo Baptist that is holding to believers baptism. The statement of faith doesn't actually make a, doesn't actually take a position on that. So there are churches that may practice paedobaptism, baptism, or there's going to be some openness there, um, or even on your view of salvation. So like our church is going to be more reformed or Calvinistic, Um, but you, you might find that's not a requirement in the EFCA. Like you're going to be able to, in other words, there's this term that, um, the early like, uh, founders of the EFCA, as best as I understand that uh, drives from them, uh, is this idea of the significance of silence, that there's an intentional silence on certain matters, um, and e- even you and I were talking before we started recording about this idea of theological triage or what's sometimes called dogmatic rank. There are certain matters that are essential; these are the first tier that all Christians uh, agree on, and we must agree on. Um, and then there are things that we can we can pretty readily disagree on. And then there's a range of sort of uh, of matters in between, what we might call second tier matters. Um, but we want to be in the EFCA. There's a sense of 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 not intention, not going out of our way to make statements. At least in terms of our association, denominationally, there may be unique features that certain local churches take. But the, an ability to cooperate with each other, despite maybe some of these more second tier or third tier differences, is that is that fair?
1: Yeah, that would be that would be accurate. In fact, we are in the process. Uh, it's been in process for some time, but. But the, the title of the book uh, that you're referring to, Kirk, is The Significance of Silence. Um, I, I think that that term was uh, more, it's a technical term, and it was m- more familiar to that generation, written in 1981 by uh, then-president ATU. Well, he had just, he had just uh, um, uh, retired, uh, but he wrote it in 1981, The Significance of Silence. He was president until 1976. Uh, well, all that to say, that the term today, I think, is misunderstood in that people think that you have mm. to remain silent. Yeah, and like, like, don't that, talk about it. Yeah, exactly. But that's not what the term means. What it means is we will debate it, but we won't divide over it. Um, there, there are there are uh, go- godly evangelical believers who affirm the the inerrancy, authority of the Bible and 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ. But but on some of those issues, there will be differences of of of, of perspective, differences of view, sometimes differences of ap- application. So it does not mean that uh, that that everyone's got to be silent about it. The other thing I'd say is this: nor does it mean everybody needs to to come to a uh an amalgamated uh uh f- force things into a a certain mold so that everybody is compromised yeah uh, like a mutt theology a, or something exactly but th- that's not it that's not it either and so i i think and and that's what we're hoping to communicate and clarify in a forthcoming book uh entitled evangelical unity uh d- debate but not divine, uh, in the EFCA. And, and that Lord willing, uh, is, uh, it's forthcoming. Uh, maybe we'll say it's imminent. How about that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in so, 2019 and 2008. Yeah.
0: so we, so it's also not to say that these differences aren't important, like the difference right. between a more Wesleyan or Calvinistic view of salvation. Like I would hold those are, those matter, but there's yeah. an ability to say, They matter, um, but they don't matter to the degree that I can't also partner with people that I disagree on this. And there's degrees, obviously, of partnership. And so churches, you know, like our church is going to teach from a more reformed perspective, but we're very comfortable partnering with other churches who maybe don't entirely agree with us on all those fine details. And so the EFCA is a home that's broadly evangelical in that sense and intending to be broadly evangelical. And let me let me ask you, as we move to the statement of faith then specifically, how is the statement of faith structured um, or how how does it go about determining what it's going to focus on?
1: Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, if if we were to uh, summarize it it briefly, quite, quite simply, our goal in formulating uh, this statement of faith or our statement of faith was to set forth and I quote sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which has now been entrusted to us, which comes from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. And, and we believe that these essential theological convictions are vitally connected to the gospel. Um, and then we ask, well, what, what is the gospel? Well, Paul describes the good news concisely as the declaration that, once again, we'll quote scripture, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15 verses three and four. And that that brother is the heart of the message. Uh, but but when we proclaim then this message, we, we, we say more than that, certainly not less than that, but we say more than that. And that I think then is the theological exposition that we then find in our statement of faith. But it's really grounded in God's redemptive history, biblical theology, with an emphasis on the gospel of Jesus Christ, culminating in Jesus Christ and and the gospel that not only he proclaimed, but that also is about him. So it's the gospel that he he proclaims. uh, Think of Mark chapter one, verses 14 and 15. But it's also the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, that is proclaimed about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's that same gospel, dear friend, that we are not ashamed of, Romans 1, 16, and transforms us. And, and, Mm -hmm. And that then is the heart and the, and the basis of the structure of our statement of faith, that's the intention, intention of our of our statement of faith.
0: Yeah, the gospel, the very heart of the scripture. Yes. And so the gospel, this also helps um, with the idea of locating what we put down in the statement of faith as yes. sort of these core elements. They're core because they're flowing out of the gospel, the very that's heart right. of our faith.
1: Um, yeah. But
0: it's really, this is one of the things I, as I read the book, um, the uh, the exposition, evangelical convictions. I w- I just I I grew in my appreciation for the statement of faith because I I, I really appreciated being able to see how every article yeah. in the statement of faith is sort of sequentially logically or redemptive historically working yeah. through the gospel either preconditions for the gospel or outflows of the gospel or the very yeah. heart of the gospel. And then the other thing that's really interesting too that I know you've pointed out in like uh the the class that I took with you uh, introducing folks to the ESA, how the beginning and end uh, of the statement of faith mentions the glory of God. And so it, it is the gospel. It's about the gospel. It's an ex really, the statement of faith is like an exposition of the gospel, but the gospel to the very glory of God, the God yep. who creates all things for his glory, but then also ultimately redeems all things yeah. for his glory.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And, and I, I would, I would highlight just one thing in light of what you're saying. I'm, I'm grateful and encouraged to hear you describe it that way, because that was the intent as it was, as it was uh, drafted uh as it was being revised in in 2004 uh to 2008 when it was initially uh adopted and then uh once again in 2019 but in 2019 the the structure was already in place it was just the one word uh, uh and if you want to pursue that we can later uh or even now if you'd like to but 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 it was just the one word uh but but it really is that redemptive historical flow that is uh and, and what you'd find Kirk if you would look at some of the the, the various statements of faith confessions of Faith, that you will find that probably um, half and half would begin. Half would begin with with scripture mm-hmm. is Article One, and then follow with the doctrine of God, and the others would begin with the doctrine of God, and then and then follow with the scriptures. And and really, it is it is a you know the principles of of, of theology would indicate God and His Word go hand in hand. Right. and and so God speaks, God is a speaking God and so uh, if God does not exist, he does not speak, we know nothing of God and 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 I mean so it they go hand in hand but we we decided in this one we determined that it we wanted to follow uh before in the beginning God was he, he was even before the beginning mm. and there was a there was never a time when God was not and so we wanted to start with the doctrine of God following a biblical theology or a redemptive historical, uh, a flow, uh, which is why then we reversed Articles 1 and 2 and and began uh, our statement of faith with the doctrine of God.
0: Yeah. Other statements, like you said, they might be, begin with Scripture, actually, um, because most statements of faith, like you said, all begin with this idea of, with, mm-hmm. with addressing God, but some begin with Scripture because that's yeah. sort of the way, the primary yeah. way, at least, through that's which right. we know God. Yep. But it's interesting, nonetheless, the point being, if also, too, if you're listening to this, you can go find the EFCA Statement of Faith on the EFCA website. Uh, I think it's EFCA.org. Um, but the order of the articles is intentional. In other words, there's a sequence there. Um, let me let me just let's let's kind of. Uh, and by, oh, by the way, you mentioned the one word change, just if anyone's wondering. So in 2008, so historically, the EFCA would have been pre-millennial. Um, and that's if you're if you're not familiar with these, these are kind of these are terms that refer to views of the end times and sort of the, how the last things are going to play out. There's also a lot of folks in the early EFCA that would have held to more of a pre-tribulational premillennialism, which is a specific form of premillennialism, sort of dispensationalism, um, but not exclusively as the EFCA history goes on. Um, but in some ways, that was kind of like an outlier to the ethos of the EFCA since the EFCA is uh, there's a willingness to sort of disagree on various matters that are not essential and most people would recognize premillennialism is not uh, one of those essential features premillennialism is the view that there will be typically in a thousand year reign is how it's seen that uh, follows christ's return so he returns pre the millennial reign other views like the one i hold to would be amillennialism that understands the millennial passage in revelation as symbolic for the entire church age and then there's postmillennialism that uh oftentimes sees sort of a it has a positive vision of of god's reign christ's reign even now being realized on earth in a, in a, in some form before he returns in some uh notice, notable way within society so there's different views on that but it, it i mean you can kind of maybe tell us about what happened in 2019 if that's so that'd be, you yeah, think that'd be helpful
1: yeah. um, we can we can do that uh uh you know pre- quite briefly when we started some, some were concerned that this is a second revision of our statement of faith what's next and and you know really um my description of this was in the spiritual heritage committee was that this is really uh a still a single statement of faith revision in two steps um and and in many respects uh um, what, what what we learned in the, the first revision is that um, the the notion of es- eschatology, particularly the millennium, just needed needed more time to discuss, more time to think, more time to ponder, more time to process. And even when the, when it was adopted in 2008, the, the initial revision, um, it was it was intended that it would be revisited. The, 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 the conversation, the communication, the exchanges, you could find it in the minutes of, of the conference meeting. Uh, the intent was that it would be revisited. Uh, well, uh, 11 years uh, later, it was revisited and um, and it was um, uh, one word change. Uh, so uh, it was that we believe that that in a, in a personal bodily and premillennial return of the Lord Jesus Christ was in 2008. And in 2019, the conference affirmed uh, adopted uh, one word change. Uh, we believe in the personal bodily and glorious, return of our lord jesus christ and 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 it's not that those who affirm premillennialism would have denied that christ's return is glorious right but 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 they wanted to make his return uh the uh, the 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 temporal specificity specificity Specificity, of his return um they wanted to make it make it clear um and and that was not so unusual in light of the 19th century and john nelson darby and dispensationalism and 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 some of the, uh, the 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 early fundamentalists, but but even not all were, for example, Jay Gresham Machen was not was not premillennial. But right. it, it it became one of the the um, uh, features associated, one of the beliefs associated with it. And of of course, then you need to remember, in 1948, Israel became a nation. And for, of course, there are interesting things happening now in the Middle East, but but in 1948. And this is in the midst of the discussion of the merger of the Norwegian-Danish Free Church Association mm-hmm. and the Swedish Evangelical Free Church. 1950, so let's not, right? That's that's right, which happened in 1950. So we must not be uh, uh, um, unwise or ignorant um, uh, of of the context, the historical context in which these conversations were happening as well. Um, and so that was that was all part of the process of what was happening. Well, in 2019, in light of as you stated, Kirk, in light of who we claim we are, that is as evangelicals, we we focus on the essentials of the gospel and recognize that there is dogmatic doctrinal rank. Um, uh, but but in light of who we are, that it seemed that the temporal specificity of the return of Christ, identified as premillennial, was somewhat inconsistent with the rest of. The, the the statements uh of what we profess as evangelicals. And so for that reason, in this two-step process of a single revision of our statement of faith, 2008, 2019 we now affirm uh and it's not that you you can't you cannot be premillennial. Uh, it's right, just that, right that there's breadth uh, uh that's that's offered on differing views on the millennium.
0: Yeah. So I'm glad about I'm I'm glad for it because now I can uh, belong <laughs> as an amillennial. I, I I realize I'm probably still in the minority given the history of the EFCA, but that's okay. Yeah. Um. But let's take some time then to. We'll yep. very quickly do this. To, yep. I'll, I want to read through the articles. Um. And again, if if you're listening to this, feel free. If you if you're able and want, you can pull it up online. Um. But I'll read through the articles and then, Greg, if you wouldn't mind just making some brief commentary on kind of the big picture of the article, specifically how it is unpacking the gospel narrative, as we talked about how the EFCA statement of faith is an exposition of the gospel in that way. So I'll begin with article one, which is God. We believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, and eternally existing in a loving unity of three equally divine persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having limitless knowledge and sovereign power, God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself and to make all things new for his glory.
1: Well, let me just say this, and and, I, and these these will be brief, because I know, uh, Kirk, you're wanting to maybe expound a little bit later, but just just as we move through, we recognize that God's gospel— comes from God and not not from any human source. So this message begins with God's eternal purpose to redeem a people for himself, a purpose flowing from his own nature. Hmm.
0: Yeah, the God of the gospel, the gospel flowing yep. out of who God is, his attributes, the fact that he is loving, he is just, and also his purposes. It obviously... Is not salvation is not something that we constructed and came up with, but it's of His initiative.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, and and the other thing, I, you know, the, one of the things that I like, and I said I wasn't going to do it, but I can hardly but do it. <laughs> um, you know, one of the, the the phrases that I like probably the most in this this article is infinitely perfect. Hmm. You just ponder that. I mean, what, what what's excluded? So so we identify a few attributes, right? Yeah. Uh, not 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 all, uh, but 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 what what is exempted from infinitely perfect? It's just a wonderful expression. As you ponder it, I mean, you 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 will not plumb the depths of of the of, of the significance of what that entails. Yeah. God, the Holy Trinity, is infinitely perfect.
0: I love how theologians sometimes sometimes we speak of the attributes of God, but at other times theologians will describe them as the perfections of God, which yeah, is another right. way of, yeah. of getting at that.
1: Yes. you know All the right. the other thing, and I don't know if you want to, if you want to do this now, Kirk, or not, but. But, you know, what I what I like is um, God's, you know, we summarized each of these articles. And and let me do that then after you've read it. God and then then you can transition if you'd like. But God's gospel originates in and expresses the wondrous perfections of the eternal triune God.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Each chapter has has one of those summaries, which is is wonderful. Article two then is the Bible. So we start with God. Now we get to God's. Revelation, specifically here, his special, what we call a special revelation in scripture. Uh, We believe that God has spoken in the scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, through the words of human authors. As the verbally inspired word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings, the complete revelation of his will for salvation and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises.
1: Yeah, so here, uh, you know, as we read earlier from 1 Corinthians 15, this gospel, God's gospel, is according to the scriptures, as mm. Paul declares. And it comes to us authoritatively through God's word in the Bible. As we talked about, the, the principles of, 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 of theology, the, the foundational truths is God and His word. And, and so here, what we find is that God's gospel is authoritatively revealed in the scriptures.
0: Yeah. So as this gospeling God, we might say, makes his gospel known, he does so through like I think of he does so through the scriptures. It makes me think of Paul in his letter to Timothy talking about how uh he how Timothy from the earliest of ages, he, he knew the scriptures which are able to make him wise yep. for salvation through faith yep. in Christ. Yep. All right. Article three then. So as as the scriptures then so we we started with who God is and he makes mm-hmm. known the gospel through the scriptures. Now we start to unpack some of the, uh, even some of the preconditions for understanding the gospel as we move to article three, which is the human condition. We believe that God created Adam and Eve in his image, but they sinned when tempted by Satan. In union with Adam, human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, alienated from God and under his wrath, only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued reconciled
1: and renewed yeah um this this states it uh, clearly um you know because it deals with uh, our sin god's gospel alone can address uh, our 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 deepest need and and that that's that's the summary god's gospel alone addresses our our deepest our deepest need and so, you know, there's so many, so many. Maybe we'll come back to this, Kirk. But there's so many Im- Im- important and significant uh, statements, uh, truths that we affirm in this article. But, but the point is this: we are created in the image of God. We are fallen. We're sinners by nature and by choice, both sinners by nature and by choice. We are born in Adam, and and I, I like the expression "in union with Adam" because mm-hmm. it parallels then the second Adam, that is Jesus Christ, in union with Christ. Um, and, and, and then it's, it, it's because of that we, we are, and, and this gets important. Uh, in fact, you and I had a conversation earlier about the doctrine of hell, didn't we? And, mm-hmm. and not that we doubted it, uh, we affirm it because the Bible teaches it. Right. But, but here we, we, we affirm not, not because we are intending to be mean spirited, but because the Bible teaches it. That is be, because of our sinful condition by nature and by choice, we are under God's wrath
0: yeah it's it's it, it's really when we speak of the good news it assumes the backdrop of of bad yes, news in other words
1: yeah um,
0: and so even to speak of salvation um sometimes we we're, we become so familiar with that language salvation assumes saved from something yeah, right and so for us to even um have the the ability to understand the gospel we have to know what we're being saved from yes. what we're being saved out of and so yeah. we start yeah. with who and, we are and what the predicament we're in
1: Yes and and I would also say this that often often you know we 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 are we address the proximate problem and that is our sin the ultimate problem is what our sins deserve that that is our our, our primary problem is not is not our sins that that's a problem but the primary is what our sins incur and that is God's wrath and yeah. and and so we must not we must not just leave it uh horizontal um, it is it is vertical uh and it and it's and it's what it incurs our sins incur of god's wrath
0: yeah. And it, so sin is not just a relational problem with those around me. It's not even a personal problem in, in the sense that sin causes personal struggle that we ourselves heal. but ultimately, ultimately those things are true, but ultimately it's a, it causes a problem between us and our creator. And that's where the statement yeah. of faith, bringing out the image of God, like Calvin in his institutes opens with like, to truly know yeah. man or God is to assume the other. Yeah. Uh, we don't truly know ourselves unless we, Unless we know that we are those who are created by God and inherently yeah. relate to
1: yeah. Him, yeah. And think, think, think of that in light of uh, David against you, and you only have I sinned. Well, mm-hmm. wait a minute. There are a few he hasn't sinned against. Honestly, um, uh, Uriah, Bathsheba. Uh, I mean, y- you can go on the list, but so it's not dismissing that. He he is recognizing at that moment that 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 there's there's one primary, and that is God. And because that's been broken, virtually every other is broken as well. Um, And that's then his cry against you. You only have I sinned.
0: So now that we have seen the bad news, um, now we move to the good news, which is the person, starting with the very person of Jesus Christ. Article four is the person of Christ. Article five is then the work of Christ. But starting with article four, we believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, fully God and fully man. One person in two natures. Jesus, Israel's promised Messiah, was conceived through the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose bodily from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest and advocate.
1: Yeah, so what you can see is that in article, th- even in article three, we began to move towards the 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 remedy for our sin problem, mm-hmm. and that is God the Father sending God the Son uh, to be uh, the Savior of the world. Uh, and and you'll notice as well, Kirk. Then we can talk about this later. But there are some there are a number of exclusive claims made in our statement of faith. For example, leading from Article Three to Article Four, only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ. Can we be rescued, reconciled? It's only so; it's exclusive. when You think of so many biblical texts, but Jesus Christ is, and again, so many rich uh, biblical and, and theological statements that that are are here. You'll find not just biblical statements, particularly here with the doctrine of Christ or Christology, but there are also uh, statements in this particular article that that are pick that are picking up confessions and creeds from the church. In the in the early centuries and that that's very intentional we we stand on the shoulders of giants uh, there is a great cloud of witnesses thanks be to god there's a great cloud of witnesses that have preceded us and we want to be faithful to to contend earnestly for the faith once for all entrusted to the saints so what we see here in article four is jesus christ and, and honestly, what I would what I would say is, and this is intentional as well. you, you, you sort of hedged a little bit, Kirk, when you were saying articles four and article f- articles four and five, the person the work, and then the application of the work of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So really four to, four to, articles four to six, we contend that this gospel is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. That's article four. and and not just revealed in the, but, but it's accomplished through the work of Christ. Article five, yeah, and becomes effective in and for us through the application of Christ's work by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I just covered three articles, but but <laughs> but that that's it's very intentional, Kirk. Uh, yeah. Why we did that? This is the heart of the application of of the of the it's the it's it's God's uh, giving of His Son to solve the sin problem that we're under God's wrath.
0: Yeah,
1: and so, so the you, statement that is, I'm sorry go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 statement then is, um, let's see, uh, God's gospel is made known supremely in the person of Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You 100%. can hear, you can hear the reflection of the apostles creed in here. Yeah, I like you, you, you mentioned the, the line, the ending line of, of article three, which hinges It's like a hinge that gets us. We, we we don't just, we're not just left in the human condition. Um, that's right. And even the idea of only through God's saving work in Christ, yep. it reminds me of the Protestant Reformation cry, sola, uh, sola Christus, of Correct. by Christ alone. That's, that's also, that's saying not, we're, we're saying that it's only through Jesus and not through, say, for instance, yep. Islam or Hinduism or anything else. But it's also implies not through our own works, um, not through our own efforts. Um, But yeah, you see throughout the statement, we're moving from salvation planned to what John Murray called salvation accomplished in Jesus and then applied through the spirit. And the person of Jesus is not an incidental matter in the accomplishment of salvation. That's why there's a whole section on the person of Christ, because he must be truly God and truly man if he is to provide a satisfying redemption on behalf of men.
1: Yeah. Yeah I, I would agree. Um you know even even the language uh so you make reference to um you know you 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 will see references that would parallel it, they're biblical they're mm-hmm. grounded biblically but they've been they've been rearticulated or articulated uh in the apostles creed um and so it's biblical but it's also a, a crucified under pontius pilate. Yeah. Uh, or think think of uh Chalcedon uh 451. Yeah. Um, Fully God, fully man, or truly God, truly man, one person in two natures. I mean, so you're you're seeing this biblical grounding, uh, and and then uh, articulated by the early church uh, in these various uh, confessions, uh, at which time it was necessary because it, it, these truths were being undermined, and they needed to be articulated. So you'll see you'll see that throughout, and particularly. In, in this the, the, the Jesus Christ the the person of Jesus Christ. by the way just one other comment I think you know this 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 notion of Israel's promised Messiah I think that statement probably pulls the, the two Testaments together better than anything else in in, in our in our statement it, it's really the the, the 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 hinge and the connection between the old and the new that is that is the the the, the, the promise becomes fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. The promised Messiah in the old becomes the person of Jesus Christ in the new. And, and mm-hmm. I I I I like that statement. It captures if if you want a if you want a hermeneutical lens, that would probably be it.
0: Mm-hmm. And it also goes back to article two scripture that the gospel is rooted in the fulfillment of scripture, namely this promised Messiah. Yes. Um so that brings us to Article 5, then the actual work uh that Christ does to accomplish salvation says, we believe that Jesus Christ as our representative and substitute shed his blood on the cross as the perfect, all sufficient sacrifice for our sins. His atoning death and victorious resurrection constitute the only ground for salvation.
1: Yeah. This again is, I think, a, a, a beautiful statement of the truth of now the person of Christ and what Christ has done, his work. And in many ways, Kirk, uh, this this somewhat parallels God, article one, speaks, article two. Mm. God, the son, does a work. And so the, the person of Christ, then following that, is the work of Christ. Mm. And so, you know, articles one and two, God speaks. Articles four and five, the son dies on be on our behalf and is raised for our justification, Romans 4, 25. And so you can see these, these, there is a biblical theology, there is a theologic to uh what we've spelled out in, in 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 the articles of our statement of faith. And so here we emphasize the the work of Christ on 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 our behalf. And and I, you know, there's so many things that we could emphasize here as well that he's a representative, that he's a substitute, that he 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 needed to represent humanity, the second Adam, but also as a substitute, he needed to be perfect. He he needed to be the God Man, uh, uh, which he was. And 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 not only is he a sacrifice, but he is the perfect. I think of um you know you might yeah, you will remember your your hearers can go look at it. But hapax, that is the, the the word used in Hebrews for the once for all. The book of Hebrews and and Jesus' death on our behalf is the perfect. Once for all, all sufficient sacrifice for our sins, and then you know we talk about atoning death. That is that is his propitiatory death to to turn away God's wrath, uh, but also th- his victorious resurrection. Um, uh, a- and notice once again, it is the only. You catch that? Mm-hmm. The only found in no other way, no other way. Um, and 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 so you know, in some ways, I I would. I've heard it said before that we affirm not just not just Christus vicarius, that is Christ dies on our behalf, but Christus Victor Christ was raised for 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 our justification. Um, and and I, I like that that both of those are true. It's not one or the other. The ground is is propitiate propitiation, but there are other truths that that flow from that as well. And but the ground is, is, is Christ's substitutionary death on our behalf, uh, turning away God's wrath, uh, propitiation, and thus our sins are carried away, they're forgiven through Christ.
0: So, Article six, then, is the Holy Spirit, both his person, uh, but again, here it flows logically as in the application. Yes. We think of the Holy Spirit as though, as the, the person of the Trinity, who then takes what the Father planned and what the Son accomplished and then makes it sort of real, causes uh, God's people to experience it. And that is what I mean there. So the article says, We believe that the Holy Spirit, in all that he does, glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of its guilt. He regenerates sinners. And in him, they are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs in the family of God. He also indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ-like living and service.
1: Yeah. So Article 6, the Holy Spirit, uh, as, as we had noted earlier, Articles 4, 5, 6, this uh is the, the application of Christ's work on our behalf. It's it's the Holy Spirit, the illuminating the scripture, the 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 new birth, the regeneration that he brings through belief and in, 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 uh, faith in Christ. And so this is this is the application. And what we then would say in a summarizing statement uh, is God's gospel is applied by the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: Article seven then is the church. And, and similar to the Apostles' Creed actually, uh, in the section in the Apostles' Creed where we believe in the Holy Spirit, it talks about the church right afterwards, which is an interesting thing that I'll, I'll yeah. kind of let you get into the logic of that. But it says this, we believe that the true church comprises all who have been justified by God's grace through faith alone in Christ alone. They are united by the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, of which he is the head. The true church is manifest in local churches whose membership should be composed only of believers. The Lord Jesus mandated two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, which visibly and tangibly express the gospel. Though they are not the means of salvation, when celebrated by the church in genuine faith, these ordinances confirm and nourish the believer.
1: In our union with Christ, in this Article 7, the, the, the follow from uh, Articles 4 through 6. In our union with Christ by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are joined to a new community of fellow believers in the body of Christ, that is the church. So anybody, you, you'd asked about it, Kirk, anybody who is born again is born into a family. And mm-hmm. that is why the Holy Spirit's ministry is to birth a new people, the people of God, from every tribe and tongue and language and and nation. Uh, That's the implication of the gospel. And think about tying it back to Article 1, that God had purposed from eternity to redeem a people. That's the church. Individuals into into a family for his own glory. And so what we see here is is the church. And I I would say this. Uh, By the way, you'll also notice a couple of uh, alones I'm sure you that you didn't miss those kirk as you mm-hmm. read it. Um there are the alones, um the solas, uh, some of the solas of the reformation, right? So we have faith alone and Christ alone, God's grace. Uh we could have said alone there as well, uh but 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 all of the 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 you know the solas of the reformation. Um and and so what we see here with with the Holy Spirit in the church, I think often one of the if I may just just uh, briefly I think one of the, one of the problems often in evangelicalism is that we 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 come short of the ultimate purpose of God's plan and that is to redeem a people for himself. It's it's that the Holy Spirit births us individually into a family. And I think honestly when we when we come short of the new community, that is to say when the gospel is only individual and it only it results in individual salvation, it does that, but that's not all. But when we end there, I think we got the gospel of its of its ultimate purpose and that is to redeem a people for himself. Now Jesus Christ and the, uh, is always the subject. The, the church does not become the subject but uh, but it is the object. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the, He's the He's the Lord of our lives individually and, and corporately, but he's also the head of the church. And 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 I would say that that's an important connection, Kirk, between articles four through six, and especially Article Six and Article Seven.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. What we're the logic then of the of the statement of faith then is that the church is the product of the gospel. The gospel, uh, at, by the what Christ accomplished and the Holy Spirit applies produces the people of God. So salvation, like you said, it's personal. Like we don't want to say like, it's, it's not that Jesus isn't saving us as a, as an individual, but it's not individualistic. It's not, we're not saved as lone islands. And even the statement of faith brings out that this universal church, and we think about adoption, we think about being born again. We're not, it's not, we're adopted as the only child. We're, we're not born again as the only child. We are adopted with a host of siblings. Um, yes. And so even the statement of faith, as we are brought into the true church, the universal church, it is manifest in local churches. And our, our salvation should manifest itself in a belonging to a particular local body as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that gets to the notion of of not just the body, one of the images of the church, one of many, um, but also the the fact that we are we are heirs. That is that is where we're, we're we're part of brothers of Christ. Our elder brother is is how Hebrews would refer to to, to, to the Lord Jesus. Mm. And I think particularly in this day, I think that is a, a significant um, truth. Especially you think Kirk of of uh, the isolationists, the 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 loneliness, etc. That 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 the, mm. that the, that the mm. Church of Jesus Christ. Um, we're a family, uh, God creates by the Holy spirit, applying the work of Christ creates a family. Now, now one at a time, right? We're born again, individually, not, not corporately, individually, but we're born into a family.
0: Yeah. That brings us to article eight then, which is Christian living. So really what does this church composed of believers? What, what should their lives look like? Or does the gospel have anything to say about how we live our lives? And article Eight answers that. We believe that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. God commands us to love him supremely and others sacrificially and to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion toward the poor, and justice for the oppressed. With God's word, the Spirit's power, and fervent prayer in Christ's name, we are to combat the spiritual forces of evil. In obedience to Christ's commission, we are to make disciples among all people, always bearing witness to the gospel in word and deed.
1: Yeah, so we go from, once again, following the flow, the theological flow, from from, uh, the church to now, what is the implication of that? And so um, the new life which the gospel imparts to us compels us. it, it, it not only commands us, but it it, it it compels, it empowers us to live in a new way. We are to love God and our neighbor and bear witness to the gospel in word and deed. And, and, and it's captured in in the beginning statement, We believe that God's justifying grace, they're not one and the same but but they must not be separated either god's justifying grace must not be separated from a sanctifying power and purpose and kirk you know you know church history well enough to know that when that happens there are a lot of uh ways to go wrong on on justification and sanctification and um and and so we 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 acknowledge these acknowledging these and um and again once uh, once again you you get an emphasis in the gospel we are always bearing witness to the gospel in in both word indeed uh and 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 so uh the the summarizing statement is god's gospel compels us to christlike living and witness to the world yeah
0: and let me let me just ask an additional question maybe a little bit getting ahead uh on this section like why even include a section on christian living in a statement of faith um and even the mention of like caring for the poor or words like justice there's a lot of um, as you know, there's a lot of sort of uh, brouhaha right now where there's a lot of concern over uh, maybe some folks conflating the gospel with social action or good works. But on the other hand, maybe some who want to very much separate those things, um, concern that talk about justice is, is problematic um, or inappropriate to the gospel, it seems like the EFCA here is is identifying a heritage though where that's very much a part of the tradition is that these things are not meant to be divorced. I'm curious to hear you kind of elaborate on that.
1: That that's why it was included. Um and in fact if you look at uh if you look at our history um the Norwegian Danish Free Church Association in 1912 when they when they merged um they had a statement that that was similar to uh Recognizing that there's orthodoxy and there's orthopraxy, um, you look at the New Testament and you find numerous, innumerable references to good works. Now, it certainly is not in reference to good works leading towards salvation. They're not meritorious, but 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 they are fruit bearing. Um, they are manifestations. This this gets back to think about about the that 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 these the, the local church the, the gospel is manifest. The local church manifests. The gospel in in how they live. It's not just it's not just what they preach, but how they live life together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we see that then in in the New Testament. And so you you actually are validating Kirk, what why I said early on that that God's justifying grace must not be separated from a sanctifying power and purpose. You see the many and varied ways in which it can go off the rails. Mm-hmm. Either that 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 there that that, they're, that 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 salvation is merely is merely cerebral it's merely propositional it's merely it's merely mental but regeneration is more than that is it not isn't the New Covenant taking out a heart of stone and 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 replacing it with a heart of flesh so mm-hmm. that second Corinthians 5 there's a whole new act of creation that is that is we you know, th- that which we once hated we now love God that that which we we used to love sin we now despise and we hate and 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 so you know you, you it, it's the orthodoxy and the orthopraxy and getting it right it's the it's the it's the root and the fruit, um, and 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 often I think we 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 so and often what you'll find Kirk is that you'll find that that an emphasis because of a concern of an overemphasis on one or the other, we will lean we the temptation is to lean too far in one direction at the expense of the other. Mm-hmm. There is an order. Let me say that there is an order. God's justifying grace. must not be separate but 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 the but the sanctifying power and purpose is not absent dear friend so i i I would agree with you i think i think and especially today there are huge implications and i think to some degree we need we need careful wise thinking biblically historically theologically and then and then pastoral wisdom of, of 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 living it out and applying it christian living uh through the power of the holy spirit
0: yeah, so the the we might say the gospel or the grace of God that saves us also necessarily transforms us. That we're not saved by our good works, but good works are sort of an indispensable evidence of yeah. genuine the genuine experience of salvation. And so yeah. we we're not saying justification and sanctification are the same or should be collapsed into each other. Justification is being declared right before yeah. God, despite the fact that we are not just. Um, It's an alien righteousness, as Luther says, that it's the, as Paul says in Romans four, that he, God justifies the ungodly, which is a very like, that's, that's a kind of a mind blowing thing to say that God is, is, is in his courtroom giving someone the verdict of righteous, despite that they in themselves are not righteous. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. Sanctification is that ongoing transformation then. That is, we are not justified because we're transformed, but sanctification then is inseparably to follow, and that means on the one hand we don't want to conflate good works like social pursuing social justice with the gospel, um, but we also don't want to divorce good works and caring for our neighbor and 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 caring for the poor as if those things are don't matter and as if they're disconnected from a, a, a true. Uh, the true impact of the gospel on the life the life of the church.
1: Yeah. So it, it would be an entailment of the gospel. It's not the gospel itself. Yeah. But it but it's but it's an entailment of the gospel, isn't it? So say think of, you know, often people will quote Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But but guess what follows? Verse 10. For we are as workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good For works. For
0: good works, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so yeah. um So so for by grace, you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. I mean, so even there, you know, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 8 through 10 is really the the biblical founding, grounding of what we attempted to articulate in Article 8, Christian living.
0: Yeah. Well, let's move to Article 9 then. This is Christ's return. So now we move to really the end of the redemptive story as we have it. Uh, Here it says, we believe in the personal Bodily and glorious. So there's the word "glorious" instead of what used to be premillennial, but bodily and glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of Christ at a time known only to God demands constant expectancy, and as our blessed hope motivates the believer to godly living, sacrificial service, and energetic mission.
1: Yeah, Uh, you know, to this I would I would say, you know, the Christian living again it it follows doesn't it there's a there's a flow there's a biblical and a theological flow um uh in in our our uh, confession or our statement of faith um and you know this this the christian living is really our calling article 8 until god's saving purpose is fulfilled in the glorious return of our lord jesus christ and and that is why you know notice that there's there's humility that is you know no no date setting here none Mm -hmm. uh we we don't know and 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 it doesn't mean that there aren't signs but but we don't know um and and to to attempt to suggest that we do is 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 unwise um but but this is not this is not a passive quietist waiting you know even as we say here that we are to give ourselves to 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 godly living sacrificial service and energetic mission so in other words living our christian lives article 8 awaiting the return of christ when he returns again in power and glory personal bodily we give ourselves uh uh faithfully uh to to godly living and 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 sacrificial service and energetic mission that is to be the mark of christians living between the times
0: yeah um, let's move fi- finally to the last article. And I, I know we said we would dive into things further yeah. afterwards, but I think we kind of, we
1: can do it second some other time.
0: Yeah, maybe. So we kind of blended it together a little bit and that's totally okay. But I'm so uh, art- sorry.
1: Like, I can hardly, but say these facts,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Like so a lot of the questions that I had, were are kind of like, we'll circle back Are things we ended up talking yeah. about. So, yeah. um, along the way that is, but article 10 then is we, we've, we sort of we, we've seen the the entire redemptive story. We come now to eternal destinies, but also our response then to this message. So now the gospel is is good news, but it, it, it also calls a response then. It's a summons. Uh, so scripture talks about Paul wanting to bring about the obedience of faith. Like there is actually, there's a way we are to obey the gospel because it is a summons to believe in Jesus. And so this article brings about Uh, articulating those responses that one might make. We believe that God commands everyone everywhere to believe the gospel by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbeliever to condemnation and eternal conscious punishment, and the believer to eternal blessedness and joy with the Lord in the new heaven and new earth to the praise of his glorious grace. Amen.
1: Yeah, I uh, finally here at the end, response and eternal destiny. Um, you know, it was more than just a uh desire to articulate propositional truths, but if these if these are truths that God has revealed, then then uh there's a response. There is a response. And that's what we get to here at the end. So we affirm we affirm that this coming of Christ will bring With it, not only the judgment of the world, but also our bodily resurrection and the renewal of all things in the new heaven and the new earth. This is God's gospel, and this good news requires a response. So we are to turn to God in repentance and faith, receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. The summarizing statement God's gospel requires a response that has Eternal consequences. And you know, if I if I might just say one thing about the inclusio, that is the book ends, as you mentioned yep, early yep. on, Kirk, you know, the beginning and the end. That is, uh, we are we are deeply convinced that all theology, be- because it is truth about God, is to be doxological. That is a prayerful co- profession, a joyful declaration, an act of worship in the end. All that we can do is offer our hearty and heartfelt affirmation of God's glorious gospel revealed in Jesus Christ. So be it. So we begin our statement of faith by declaring that in that in that in all that God does, he acts for his own glory. Article 1. And now we conclude in a similar way to the praise of his glorious grace and then we conclude with a word in which the bible itself concludes amen Mm. yes it shall be so
0: yeah and not only the response of faith but the eternal destinies at stake yeah really bringing uh the, the, in some ways this is a continuation of what we call eschatology the yes, return of is. christ being the first statement of eschatology yep. but here as well even the, the the eternal destinies that are at stake in our response which of course yeah. motivates us for mission that has been me- that has been mentioned throughout um so the efca is uh is a denomination or a tradition that comes out of what is sometimes called pietism which is mm-hmm. wanting to wed uh sound doctrine with sound practice or mm-hmm. orthodoxy, with orthopraxy. Yep. and so you that see can start that at eight. Yep, yep,
1: it does. And and I, I would agree with that. In other words, th- this is why the, the call at the end is uh, to believe the gospel by turning to Him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, because there are there are two eternal eternal destinies um, that that flow from our response to Christ here and now. Uh, and it it becomes uh, significant and uh, critical uh, for us to to understand that. and and so it 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 does compel us.
0: Yeah, Let me close with this question then uh, yeah. as we kind of wrap, get to the end of our time here. And this is a question I, I oftentimes like to ask guests. Um, because the podcast is called Church Theology and its tagline is on the church for the church, there's an assumption that the topics we're discussing here are, Important and helpful for the church and specifically the church's mission and its health. And so, with that in mind, why is doctrine? Why is something like this statement of faith important for the health and mission of the E.S.C.A. denominationally, the collection of churches, but also the local church specifically?
1: Yeah. Um, let me let me if if I may uh, refer to uh, some history to to make answer your question. Most of us are familiar with the Westminster Confession of Faith, and I use I use that because you made reference to it, sixteen forty-six. How many of us are familiar with the Savoy Declaration? Fewer. Uh, I'm guessing that that there are not many that would have heard, uh, and I'm guessing that most would be able to say, "What is the chief end of man?" Uh, they would be able to answer it. Well, it's it's the Q and A, the Westminster Catechism, right? Um, why is that? part of the reason I think a major reason is because the Savoy Declaration r- drafted by none other than John Owen, mm. John Goodwin um because they' in congregational settings typically Congregationalists become more autonomous that is churches are standalone um and what that means is they're much more prone to doctrinally deviate. So not many know of the Savoy Declaration today, and it was 1658, 12 years later, and it's and it's virtually everything the same except except the ecclesiology, and, and in fact they they don't they don't submit to the civil magistrate. That is, the civil magistrate does not oversee discipline in local churches. That's mm-hmm. local church matter. That's who we are, right? But but the concern with that is that, that that local churches become too autonomous. So so why does why does it matter? I think in the in the in the kind providence of God in the EFCA, what brought us together was a confession, a statement of faith, and and no one no one forces a, a local church to become part of the EFCA. But but if a local church autonomously determines to be a part of the EFCA, they 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 agree to say and and we affirm uh, we agree with this particular statement of faith, and there are some some ex- expectations back and forth that the local church expects of our association or our denomination and the denomination expects of local churches and and all that to say it's through this means brother that the doctrinal integrity will be will be maintained and preserved as we together grounded in the scriptures we retain our our doctrinal fidelity together uh, for the so that we contend earnestly for the faith once for all entrusted to the saints. That, that, that much more could be said, but but I think that is an important uh, aspect that has that has kept the free church by God's grace uh, doctrinally faithful to the Scriptures, God and His Word.
0: Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we want to make sure that the ministry that we're conducting, the the mission that we're pursuing, is grounded and based on truth. Yeah. Um, and so, statements of faith like this are ways that we articulate. Uh, we we go to the scriptures, the, the the our 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 highest authority for that re- revealed truth from God.
1: Yeah. To one last our, thing. One, one last thing. And that is a a confession or a statement of faith is the grounding, which which then is the foundation to the ministry that in which we engage in the context of local churches
0: yeah exactly the
1: ministry that we're engaging in the context of local churches needs to have a direct connection back to the doctrinal truths that we affirm as a congregation and so this is foundational and this the, the ministry that we in which we engage is a reflection it's it's the fruit of the of the confession that we affirm over here so they're they're intimately connected kirk
0: yeah yeah, that, that's exactly what I was getting at. Is the ministry yeah. that we do is then based we want it yep. to be flowing out of that truth. Yes. And I, I think of it almost like the rudder of a of a of a sailboat that, that directs the entire that, that steers the entire direction of the boat. And we want that truth. If if we are believing wrong things, our ministry is inevitably, in as much as we're we are actually acting out those wrong convictions, it's inevitably yeah. going to be skewed. And so we want to make sure we're based on the truth. Um, The gospel is called the gospel of truth. Christians are to be deeply concerned with the truth. It's not incidental.
1: Um, And ultimately
0: it's to the glory of God. We want to get the truth right because we want to properly represent what God has done. Paul talks about if Christ is not raised, we are found to be misrepresenting God. um, First Corinthians 15. And we want to represent God well by declaring his truth and having our ministry based on his truth. Yeah. Well, thank you Amen. so much for being uh, willing to come on and talk about these things. And I hope that everyone who listened, uh, especially if you are in a church that's a part of the EFCA, you will grow in your appreciation of that. But even if not, um, even if you're a, uh, a bystander, so to say, that you can appreciate the truths that we share with you. Um, but we we pray that this will be a blessing to you. Thanks again, Greg, for coming on.
1: Thank you for inviting me, brother.